Welcome to Season 1, Episode 5 of Sprott Gold Talk Radio. Today I'm very excited. We have one of our first outside guests on the show. Ronnie is joining us from Incrementum to talk about the view on gold, silver, and mining equities. In today's piece, we're really going to highlight something that's really quite special and very useful for Sprott as a firm, which is their In Gold We Trust annual report or book that they put together, which has extensive charts, graphs, and talking points on both gold, silver, and mining equities in general, and the overall economy. So I thought it would be uh, timely right now, given that it's just came out, to have Ronnie speak on behalf of his firm that he co-founded with his partners and, and give us a bit of insight on what they're seeing today in the gold, silver, and mining markets. Uh, Ronnie, first and foremost, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Ed. Thanks for having me. Let's dive right into this and talk a bit about not only your background and, and how Incrementum uh, came to be, but talk a little bit about what you all do as a firm, uh, whether it's on the weekly reports from a research standpoint, and then obviously let's spend some time today going into In Gold We Trust and talk about how this all came to be. Yeah, well, Ed, it's a long story. I'll give you the, the short version. I worked in a bank for seven years and a friend of mine, he recommended a small cap called Osisco Exploration. And I started privately investing in it and it did pretty well. And it turned out to be a 40 bagger. And I went to my boss and said, hey, I've got this mining stock. Um, could I perhaps do a little special report on, on gold? And he said, go ahead, do the research over the weekend and publish something. And that was in 2007. And actually, Ed, I didn't have a clue about gold, about silver, about monetary history, about inflation, because, you know, it's it's not taught at all. I studied finance and business administration and economics. And, you know, you almost never hear about those topics. So I kind of swallowed the red pill and learned more about the Austrian school of economics that over here in Austria is not taught at all. And yeah, I mean, after a couple of years, I said, well, I feel a bit like the vegetarian in the big butchery, you know, writing about gold and the gold standard and stuff like that and criticizing inflationism and sitting in a bank. So I set up my own company together with two partners from Switzerland, another friend of mine from Austria. And we founded Incrementum based in Liechtenstein, which is in the center of Europe. And it's a fairly small country. It's 35,000 people. And yeah, we, we started the company in 2013 and we achieved quite a lot. We are, we are managing six investment funds now, most of them in the precious metals and commodity space. We're doing wealth management for high net worth individuals. We're doing special mandates and we still publish the In Gold We Trust report, which is published in German, in English and now also in Mandarin for, for two years now. And it is probably one of the or the most widely followed publication on gold and we just published a new 15th edition it's been lots of work there are 20 people involved it's always great fun and i really enjoy you know working almost 24 7 on the report crunching the numbers researching it thinking about the core messages and so on but it's also lots of work and so i'm pretty happy that now the report is out and that it's such a such a big success well, we're we're happy it's out as well. You know, it's been a wonderful, wonderful book, and can only imagine the amount of time and energy you all put into this. But it's very much appreciated. I think we should just dive right into this. You know, one of the big things 
that's being talked about these days. Obviously, the overall economy is talked about every day. But the great debate that's happening right now is the inflation or deflation or stagflation. Depending on who's talking and when they're talking, those terms are all being thrown out. Mostly inflation, though, is, is the term that's being thrown out a lot right now. Clearly, you cover that in, in, in Gold We Trust. But can we dive into that a bit right now and talk about your view and, and what you're finding out there from the research you've done about where you think we're headed? Is it inflation? And if so, what does gold, silver, and even the miners do in that type of environment? Well, you know, the the title of this year's report or the leitmotiv is Monetary Climate Change. And we say, while basically everybody is talking about ESG, SRI, and climate change, we want to introduce our readers to our views on another climate change, which is this monetary climate change that is currently happening. So from our point of view, this pendulum was swinging over the last couple of months from a rather disinflationary or deflationary side to the inflationary side. So I think the inflationary forces are now really much stronger than the deflationary forces. And just one example, two years ago, there was a cover of Bloomberg Business Week, and it said, is inflation dead? And back then, nobody really saw inflation reappearing. Now, Barron's just had the cover showing the I word. So inflation is a topic again. But the big thing is that if you talk to or listen to central bankers nowadays, they will all tell you that it's temporary. So that it's just the base effect, that it's commodity prices now being up, etc. But that inflation numbers will come back again. Our take is different. From our point of view, we are really seeing a big shift and a fundamental break. Well, what are the main reasons for that? What are the most important drivers? First of all, we are seeing extremely aggressive monetary policy. Last year alone, M2 monetary growth was 25%. Compared to 2008, 2009, we're now really seeing the broad monetary aggregates surging. Back then, in the great financial crisis, it was only the monetary base, basically, that was skyrocketing, but we didn't see any significant credit growth. Now, the main reason for that is that we're seeing some sort of politicization of credit. So over here in Europe, but also in the US, you're seeing more and more credit guarantees. So that basically, the government says, we'll cover you, you can hand out the loan, and we'll take care of the risks. Now, of course, every banker will say, okay, let's do that business. So I think this is really something that we will see going forward over the next couple of years to finance the next infrastructure, new deal, the new green whatever deal, education, deal and so on. Big government is back and it really tries to influence and stimulate credit growth much more than previously. Then we're seeing that the Federal Reserve has shifted its inflation target. Now they switch to average inflation targeting. Now they are telling us inflation rates were undershooting over the last couple of years. Now we can accept inflation to overshoot over the next couple of years because on average we want to see 2%. And since Jay Powell announced that in August last year, we are seeing a very strong trend of rising inflation. So I think this is really a fundamental shift in central bank policy. 
Then we're seeing increasing geopolitical tensions between the US and China and the US and Russia and so on. So some sort of a Cold War 2.0. We're seeing shortage of labor in certain industry. We're seeing rising minimum wages. We're seeing rising unit labor costs. We're seeing that from the side of demographics, it seems that this deflationary pressure is disappearing and it's moving more into the inflationary side. So from my point of view, and that's really the core topic of the report, there are many, many drivers for inflation rates to rise. And this is exactly what politicians, but also central bankers want to achieve. It is the reverse Paul Volcker. Paul Volcker in the 1980s, beginning of the 1980s, his job was to kill inflation. Now, central bankers, they want to create inflation. They want more inflation. And it seems now really that it's happening, but be careful what you wish for. It might come true. And it seems that we will have a tough time really fine-tuning inflation rates because once the toothpaste is out of the tube, it's pretty hard to get it back in. I laugh, you know, as long as you don't need a home, a car or food, then there is no inflation. <laughs> yeah. You hear time and time again people talking about trying to build a new home or do a renovation on a home and how everything is delayed by six months because they can't get access to lumber. And if they do, the price is skyrocketed. And that's trickling through the entire economy. So what you hit on with the average inflation target is incredible to me that they're throwing that in there today, talking about, well... It's okay if we have high inflation now, because if you look at over long periods of time, we're going to average it out. But that doesn't help anybody who's trying to acquire something today that, oh, well, it was cheaper at some point in my past life. You touched on it a little bit, the debt side yeah. of things as well. I mean, we're obviously printing all this money. We're handing out money. There's talks of potentially of rates maybe going a little higher. From the research you've done, what does that spell for an asset like gold, silver, and the miners? How do you anticipate those performing or reacting to this current monetary climate change that you're talking about? Well, I think it's really a pretty good environment for gold, for silver, and for the mining space. Ludwig von Mises talked about the so-called crack-up boom. And if you have a look at prices and their developments over the last couple of months, it seems that we're really at the beginning of such a crack-up boom because it's not only gold, silver, equities, cryptocurrencies, real estate really doing well. It's Pokemon cards, it's wine, it is the art market, market that is going crazy. So it is really a rush into real assets, it seems. Market participants are anticipating future inflation. Gold was up 24% last year. Silver was up, I think, 47% in US dollar terms. So a pretty decent performance, I would say. But still many people were a bit frustrated with the performance in the second half of the year. We shouldn't get too greedy. I think it is not gold's job to make you rich. The job of gold is to really stabilize and protect your purchasing power. There's this saying that offense wins games, but defense wins championships. And I think that gold as a portfolio stabilizer 
it really delivered last year. Especially in those extremely turbulent weeks in March and April, gold did a tremendous job. After this correction that started in August, the 10-year yield went from 0.45% to up to 1.7%. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it was a pretty big move. Then, of course, we saw cryptocurrencies stealing the show from gold to some degree. And then later on, the dollar was stronger. So those were headwinds. But then in March, we really saw a double bottom in gold at 1680. So I think at the moment, it's really a tremendous setup. Gold is now above 1900 and nobody really talks about it yet. I see very neutral sentiment. It's a fantastic setup. Going forward, the flows will probably come from the bond side. There are still 14 trillion invested in negative yielding debt. So if inflation really becomes a topic over the longer term, and if market participants realize that it's not just temporary, so that we might really be on the verge of inflation rates going higher over the next couple of years, then I think we will see significant flows out of fixed income into traditional inflation hedges. And we crunched the numbers in our report and we came to the conclusion commodities and gold do have the highest inflation beta and are the best inflation hedges. The main case for gold and silver over the next couple of years, I think inflation might really be the big driver going forward. You know, we talked a little bit about gold. We've talked a bit about the economy. One of the things that's been coming up more recently because of technology, whether it's solar panels, flat panel TVs, cell phones, 5G, all these things have silver in them. Clearly, gold's a monetary metal when you think about how investors use gold. But what about silver? You've done a nice job talking about silver and gold we trust. What do you make of silver today? Where is your opportunity for an investor to think about silver? Last year, for the very first time in the long history of the In Gold We Trust report, we had a special chapter on silver. We wrote that when the gold-silver ratio was trading at 125. So with one ounce of gold, you could have bought 125 ounces of silver. Now we're standing at a gold-silver ratio of roughly 70. So it was a pretty big move. But still, I think silver is pretty cheap, especially if you have a look at analyst consensus. Nobody is really expecting a significantly higher silver price. Nobody is really seeing surging investors demand that we are seeing for quite a while now. Nobody really sees the troubles that we are seeing on the supply side. And I think that the expectations for the green demand for silver are too conservative from my point of view. From a supply demand aspect, I think silver is a great buy at the moment, but also as silver outperforms gold during inflation. So if you believe that gold is in a bull market, then you should own silver. If you think that inflation will become a topic, then you should have silver. And actually, I think this bull market in silver is still pretty young. Therefore, I think if you can live with the volatility of the silver market, which is obviously significantly higher than in gold, then you should definitely think about silver. And at these prices, I think we will go over 30 pretty quickly. And over the long term, I really see silver prices above 100 over the next couple of years. So I think it's a pretty interesting setup. Well, 100 would make a lot of people very happy, including myself. <laughs> well, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the miners. You know, the miners that we've seen pretty significant margin expansion over the last couple of years as the price has continued to climb. And some of these companies are paying dividends for the first time. Their free cash flow looks really attractive. 
And on a relative basis to the S&P, they look really attractive, whether you're talking about enterprise value to EBITDA and so forth. So can you spend a few minutes on the miners? Because so often we, we spend time talking about the metals themselves. But what about the miners? Are they in good shape today? And I guess on a relative basis to say 2011 versus 2021, what's different about them? You know, do you like them right now? You know, how should an investor think about the mining stocks themselves? Um, I, actually, I don't like mining stocks at the moment. I love them. People tend to forget that 2020 producers had their most profitable year ever. So all in sustaining cash costs were basically flat, while the average spot gold price was at 1,700 US dollars. This year so far, it's even higher. And I don't see all in sustaining cash costs really rising significantly. Most of the companies are really producing healthy cash flows. Then we're seeing pristine balance sheets. Most of the companies really got their balance sheets in order. They wrote off projects. They got their costs under control. We're seeing mostly M&A activities that make sense. So we don't see any extreme premiums being paid. Last year, I had 120 company meetings with management teams from the gold and silver industry. And sometimes I really felt like attending a deep value conference. Everybody was talking about dividends and buying back shares and free cash flow and stuff like that. It changed for the better. My friend Alex Black said the gold industry is now a real business. One fun chart from the report. Dogecoin, which sort of a fun cryptocurrency, nobody really takes it serious. It had a market cap of 70 billion mid-May, which is significantly higher than the market cap of Newmont Mining or Barry Gold, the by far the two largest gold and silver producers with significant amounts of EBITDA net profit and employing altogether, I think, 30,000 people. We saw that Apple, for example, had cash on balance sheets at roughly 200 billion. So they could easily buy the 20 largest gold and silver miners in the gold bar index. Those comparisons, they tell you that the market hasn't realized yet that the gold and silver companies, they are really making decent amounts of free cash flows. So I think it is not only on a relative basis, but also on an absolute basis. I think the sector is extremely attractive, makes me really, really, really optimistic going forward. It does seem to be something that people aren't really paying attention to yet, and they probably should. We're equally excited about the mining stocks today, so that's great to hear. How would you suggest an investor get started, and how would you suggest an investor allocate to the metals themselves and the miners? Help us understand that if you could. Well, I'm sorry, but there's no magic number. So everybody telling you, you have to have 15, 20 or 5% in gold doesn't make any sense because it depends on the rest of your portfolio. It depends on your timeframes that you're operating in. It depends on your risk aversion and so on. But from my point of view, at least 10 to 15% should be allocated in gold itself because I'm seeing it really as a reliable part of your portfolio. And as I've said, gold really delivered last year. Gold does really well in times of recession, in times of negative real interest rates, and in times of market turmoil in general. In those periods, gold really delivers and stabilizes your portfolio. Now, when it comes to mining stocks, well, there are different risk profiles. But if you want a real investment, then I think you shouldn't mix up mining stocks with physical gold. Two different risk profiles, but I think at the moment, both are highly attractive. 
Yeah, I always talk about that as well, is that the, the physical market is really there to stabilize your portfolio and the mining stocks are there to add torque or opportunity to your portfolio. And the why behind both of them is important. If you're purely about preservation of capital, then maybe you just have physical metal in there. And if you're trying to appreciate that capital and, and grow that capital, then the miners probably make more sense. And we spend a lot of time talking to our advisors and our investors to get to the crux of the why. Why are we doing this? Why are we allocating to it? And then from there, we make a determination of what the percent should or shouldn't look like based off the reasonings behind why they're allocating to the space to begin with. And Ronnie, this has been really fun just to have you on and talk about this. And you know, I encourage everyone who's who's listening to this podcast to really go and, and check out and Gold We Trust. And, and Ronnie, if you don't mind, maybe tell the listeners here how they can access the website and how they can download the report and how they can take a look at it. The listeners here would find that very useful. Well, it's fairly easy finding the report. Just Google In Gold We Trust report. We've got a webpage, ingoldwetrust.report. In German and in English, you can download the report for free in an, the big version, which is 350 pages. So you have to take some time off, but I think it's really worth. We've got this report, the 2021 report online, but all other 14 previous reports. We're doing two chart books every year. We're doing special reports on inflation. You can download them all for free and it wouldn't be possible without the support of our premium partners. And one of them, thank you very much, is Sprott. And I think it's really something that is dear to my heart, informing and educating people and giving them solutions to make the best out of this current situation. So that's it. In Gold, we trust.report. I'm pretty active on Twitter at Ron Stoefele. And yeah, that's that's basically it. Well, Ronnie, thank you so much. This has, again, been a real treat. And hopefully the listeners all walked away with some new nuggets of knowledge on, on both gold, silver, and the mining stocks. So thanks again for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you. Take care. listening to the Gold Talk podcast by Sprott Inc. For more information and insights on precious metals investing, please visit Sprott.com. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or recommendation from any Sprott entity to the listener. Neither Sprott nor any of its affiliates make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast. And any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Sprott, and Sprott is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Sprott to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Sprott entity. Past performance is no indication of future results. 